You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. We have successfully navigated through the play-in games and the first round of the Beningo Bracket of Pain. We started with 70 painful things in Joe B sports fandom after the play-in round we got down to 64 and now we are down to a field of 32 and the truth is now the job gets very difficult in the opening round it was mostly chalk we did see some upsets we did see a handful of double digit seeds pull off upsets to advance to the second round the biggest seeded upset of the first round of this tournament, saw one of those traditional 12-5 upsets. And we saw that when Joe Namath getting injured in the preseason, this was as a 12 seed in the midday conference, was able to upset the Knicks' loss to the Baltimore Bullets in Game 7 of the 1971 Eastern Conference Finals. That, from a seed perspective, was the biggest upset. And let that be a lesson in some of Joe B's thinking through the first round. Not all of us can get to Beningo's head. The selection committee did its best to try to see things in the proper way and almost predict what he was going to do. But he gave us one big sign out of the opening round. If you heard a lot of his reasoning, he puts a lot of stock in what happened next. The moment, painful as all hell. But what followed? I thought a great example of that was Doc Gooden's return to Shea Stadium. So Doc Gooden returns to Shea Stadium, obviously, as a New York Yankee. It's an incredibly painful moment. And Joe even said, in that moment, it was worse, far worse, than Mo Lewis injuring Drew Bledsoe and bringing in the Tom Brady era. That is the definition of a what-happened-next decision for Joe. Because in the moment, and I think all Mets fans remember it, and I certainly remember Joe being angry about it, here's Doc Gooden as a New York Yankee returning to Shea Stadium and beating the Mets. And that was the first of the doubleheader where in the nightcap, Roger Clemens is beating Mike Piazza. In that moment, that is on the pain scale, a nine and a half. As you look back at it years later, still painful, but nothing more came out of it. You know, Doc was not a great contributor to that 2000 Yankee team. On the other hand, when Mo Lewis injures Drew Bledsoe in the moment, it's the exact opposite. Not that you're rooting for a guy to get hurt, but the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots got knocked out. And here's the backup, Tom Brady. Now, what happened, not just the following weeks and months, as Brady was a big part of them winning the Super Bowl, but then you start to realize, holy crap, this guy's really good. Holy crap, they have a dynasty, and oh my God, he's a Hall of Famer, and now we sit here all these years later, and he's maybe the greatest of all time. Now, that is an extreme example, but you've noticed it throughout this tournament. Now, let's get back to that 12-5 upset in the first round. Joe Namath's preseason injury not only led to an awful season for the Jets, but it really was the end of Joe Namath, and it was end of the Jets for a long time. They didn't make the playoffs again until 1981. So I think that 
What happened next played a big part in that 12-5 upset because remember, the Knicks, after that brutal loss to the Bullets in 1971, they were in the NBA Finals in 72. They win a championship in 73. So I thought that was a great example of Joe's thinking. And you got to keep this in mind as we take a look at the second round. Otherwise, I mean, there were some mild upsets. I, I was a little bit surprised that the Darrell Rivas trade defeated the Christmas Eve loss in Baltimore. And again, the what happens next factor played a huge role because as Joe illustrated on the air, when the Jets lost to the Ravens to officially blow the 2000 season, he was getting wasted that night. He was so upset, actually ended up throwing up on everything but the jersey he was wearing, which I th I'm trying to remember back. I think he said it was a Vinny jersey that he was wearing. So think about it. In the moment, Joe's so ticked off, he's drunk and he's throwing up. He supported the Darrell Rivas trade. Now, hey, look, the beauty of Joe, I try to follow this too, is when you're wrong, you're wrong. And, and we have no problem in admitting it. He obviously admitted that it was a mistake. And Revis, obviously, a year later after being traded to Tampa Bay, ends up in New England, wins the Super Bowl. The Jets essentially draft D. Milner to replace Darrell Revis, and that turns into a disaster. So the what happens next factor was huge in Revis pulling off that upset. There were a few other things in the opening round that, that surprised me. And the selection committee's gotten a lot of crap for this, and I certainly want to address it, and that's the Wilpon seating. So the Wilpon ownership did make the field of 64. We not only have games and players, but yeah, I mean, the Wilpon ownership has certainly caused Joe a lot of pain. They were given a 15 seed, and there was major backlash from a lot of Met fans. I'm a Met fan, obviously, who said, how do you give it a 15 seed? The reasoning behind it, was I thought that as much as Joe doesn't like Met ownership, as much as we all don't like Met ownership, the Mets have had success. They've been to a World Series in 2015. They were what we thought was the best team in baseball in 2006. They were in the World Series in 2000. So despite our anger at Met ownership, I brought that seat down a little bit because I thought overall with some of the other painful moments of losses there was enough positives that came out of it. Now, I completely misjudged it because even though they weren't able to pull off the upset, when they're matched up against what I think is an absolute juggernaut, and that's the two-overtime loss to the Cleveland Browns, Gastineau, the roughing the passer penalty, and all that in 1986, that's a two-seed. That's a monster in this tournament. That's a thing that could win. I mean, it's not crazy to think that that game against Cleveland could win the entire thing or at least get to a Final Four or a championship game. When I said, all right, we got Gastineau, 2 OT lost to Cleveland versus the Wilpons, Joe's response wasn't the traditional, and we heard a lot of this in the first round, all right, that's easy. No, it was, wow, bro. And so look, the selection committee wants to be responsible for the things we get right and for the things we get wrong. I think that the favorites advancing as much as they did in this tournament is a testament to the selection committee. I think the selection committee did things overall pretty well, but clearly the Wilpons needed to be yeah, maybe not a one, two, three, but in that seven to 10 range. And because of that, they got knocked out early. Now, look, here's a bottom line. They lost. Okay. So you could sit here and complain all day. They could have gone on a run and it is about matchups. You never know, but it flat out lost to the Gassano 2 OT game. But it was close. It was a 15-2 uh, white-knuckle game, if you will. 
Outside of that, you know, there was a lot of chalk here. No, no not no, not really any, you know, monster surprises. A few of the 8-9 upsets, which I don't even know if you could count as an upset. We mentioned Revis advancing as a 10 seed. Uh, the Canby for McDice trade as a 10 seed knocked off the Richie Kotite era, which again... Joe showed you thinking about the future is a big deal because he looked at what happened after Kotite and said, hey, things turned around. I'm good with that. The other one, and you know what? I think this may have been, I don't know if I'd say it's the biggest surprise of the first round, but it's certainly up there. And it was not a surprise on Twitter because I guess a lot of Met fans are voting and they predicted this upset on Twitter. And that's the 11 seed, the collapse of 2007, the New York Mets defeating the Doug Bryan game. Now, the Doug Bryan game is a game that Joe has referred to a lot. He went to that game. He got into fights with media members. Lots of stuff came out of that, you know, horror against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was a little surprised the 07 collapse beat it. But, again, going back to the what happens next theory, the Mets that Met team never recovered from the 07 collapse. Now, here's what's interesting. If you take a look at your bracket right now, and of course you can go to WFAN.com slash pain, or you can go to Evan Roberts WFAN, some of these second round matchups are insane when it comes to how interesting they are. And let's start there. The 07 collapse against Beltron and the Mets losing game seven and 06. Boy, you've got best team in baseball. This is the year losing the NLCS bad enough versus the collapse the following year in which both and I even said this after that 07 collapse advanced. Hey, now the Mets get in. Who knows? The Colorado Rockies won the pennant that year. Now, you would think the NLCS will knock it off, but I don't know. If you're building on the what happened next thought that Joe has used throughout the first round, does that 11 seed have a chance to go dancing in the Sweet 16. All right, let's go through this bracket. Let's go to the top of the Franklin College region if you're scoring at home. The number one seed in that region would, of course, be, you could call it the Don Shula Tarp game. You can call it the A.J. Dewey game. Bottom line is AFC Championship game in Miami versus another Jet moment and run that Joe showed a lot of passion for, and that's the, quote, boomer hiding under the rug to close out the 1993 season. So, here's the thing if we're analyzing this. The A.J. Dewey game, the Don Shula Tarp game, has so many things, so many aspects about it that make Joe angry. That's why it's really going to be tough to beat that. But as Joe explained with the boomer hiding under the rug thing, it's not just that game, it's not just that moment, it's the collapse of the 1993 season, and they did go through kind of a downhill run after that. When you think about it, it was the end of the Coslet era. You get Pete Carroll, you get Richie Kotite, and it took a while before you saw Bill Parcells. I'm going to predict that the one seed will survive this, but this may be closer than we think. One of the wild cards here in this tournament, I think there are two of them that aren't given one, two, or three seeds. Let's call them premium seeds. One of those middle-tier seeds that has a real chance to go on a run is the five seed in the Franklin College region. And of course, we're talking about Bill Belichick resigning as the head coach of the New York Jets. I think words, do I need to explain it? What Bill has become, the behemoth he's become? I think a part of the reason why that didn't get a one or a two is because of the uncertain nature of Joe actually having an affinity for Bill Belichick, of them having a good relationship. That's why, I don't know, I, I felt weird, and the committee felt weird giving them a one or two seat, but they're dangerous right now. 
They're very, very dangerous. Uh, they knocked off Pedro and Grady Little blowing it in the 3 ALCS. And what gives me strength that Belichick can go on a run here is that was a very dangerous 12 seed. As Joe explained, that game may have been the biggest non-Met game that he was rooting for, that had a passionate interest in it. And that really ticked him off. And it felt like Bill took care of him with ease in the opening round. Belichick's opponent, though, is another monster moment in Joe's pain, and that's the coming off the bench series in 1997 against Miami. Very interesting second-round matchup. I'm kind of leaning towards Bill advancing. Next, we've got the 2015 World Series. The Mets obviously losing to the Kansas City Royals against the New York Jets losing the 1998 AFC Championship game against the Denver Broncos. I sense, and you know what? This is one I can obviously answer as a Met and Jet fan. I think me and him would have different answers on this. To me, when you're in the World Series, when you have game one won like they did, that's worse. But in 1998, that was one of the best Jet teams we've seen assembled since the merger, since Super Bowl three. I think he's going to have the jet loss of the Broncos, a game in which they turned the ball over a million times and did have a 10-0 lead. I think he's going to have that one beat the 2015 World Series. This matchup to round out the Franklin College region may be my favorite second-round matchup that we have planned out. The number two seed, the Victor Cruz game, against the number seven seed, the Terry Pendleton game. The irony of this arguably worst regular season loss in Jet history to Joe? Maybe the worst regular season loss in Mets history. I think the Victor Cruz game will advance, but how about that? Two horror shows, two games defined by an opponent. Victor Cruz, Terry Pendleton. Down in the Food Salesman Conference region, Food Salesman Conference region, the Food Salesman region, the Mike Sosha game, the 1980, 1988 NLCS, taking on Pat Riley resigning. The Mike Sosha game, the way Joe has talked about it throughout the first round, I don't know if anyone stops it. It feels like a machine right now. So I think the Sosha game will advance. This one, <laughs> this one really... Look, I think the Subway World Series will defeat Bill Parcells blowing it in Detroit, but I do think that this matchup is going to be closer than people think. The what happens next factor will certainly help out the Subway World Series in that the Jets got to the championship game the following year. So as annoyed as he was with Bill about what happened down the stretch of that year and really in that game, I think the Subway Series World Series will advance in that 5-4 matchup, but I think it'll be close. Mo Lewis injuring Drew Bledsoe versus the Knicks losing game six and seven of the 94 NBA Finals. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I have no idea which way Joe's going to go on this. Again, you can go with the, look, Tom Brady's a juggernaut. Tom Brady's a goat. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. How can this beat it? You are talking about being a shot away from winning an NBA championship. That's a, that's a real tough matchup. I'd almost flip a coin on it. And to round out the food salesman region, the Darrell Rivas trade against Yogi Berra's decision and the Mets' loss in the 1973 World Series, going with Tom Seaver on short rest instead of George Stone. I think Rivas has been on a good run. I think this is where it ends for Darrell. Knocking off 
a World Series that could have been won against the dynasty. And obviously, the Mets had very little success after that until winning a championship 13 years later. That one will be tough to beat. This is my other really intriguing and excited matchup for the second round of the Beningo Bracket of Pain. This is in the overnight region. This is the number one seed, the Tom Seaver trade, against the number nine seed, Daryl Strawberry leaving to sign with the Dodgers. I think to a lot of people on the surface, to my dad, to Howie Rose, to Bob Huesler, to a lot of older Met fans, this feels like a blowout. Like, yeah, Daryl was bad, but this is worse. This is the franchise. And Joe has admitted he cried when they traded Tom Seaver. The reason I think there's a shot here for Daryl is Joe has said Daryl was his guy. Love Daryl. And look, here's the thing. The Mets were getting bad and already bad when they traded Tom Seaver. From a team standpoint, the Daryl thing really put them on the fast track to sucking. But the, the Met collapse had already begun before they made the decision to trade Tom Seaver. I think Seaver will advance, all right? I'm not, I don't have enough guts to pick the upset, but I think Joe's going to think about this one long and hard. I think there's a very dangerous second-round matchup. All right, here's the other non-premium seed that could go all the way. It's the Jet Drafts. Uh, the committee felt it was important to combine all the drafts. If we took each individual bad dra Jet Draft pick, we'd need its own bracket. So we decided to combine it. The reason it got a four seed, which is you know a seed that's capable of winning a championship, but not a one or a two, is even though sometimes Joe may forget this, and I may forget this, the Jets have actually had good drafts at times. You know, they did draft Darrell Revis. They did draft Nick Mangold. They did draft a Brickashaw Ferguson. They did actually have, you know, a couple of drafts that are good that maybe can offset all the horrors of the negativity. Their matchup in the second round is going to Indianapolis and losing the AFC Championship game. I don't think picking Darrell Revis is going to be enough to stop the Jet Draft train. I think it dances to the Sweet 16. Also in the overnight region. Reggie Miller game in game one. Patrick Ewing misses the finger roll. The loss to Indiana. Taking on the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in the 1969 AFL Divisional round. I got to tell you, I think the Jets one's going to advance. Joe has said that. Begged his mom to go to the game. And lit famous words from Joe. Little did I know, leaving the stadium that day, that basically he would enter a decade and a half century of misery. I think that one advances. Uh, another Jet versus Jet moment. The Marino spike game against Gastineau 2 OT loss to the Cleveland Browns. It's going to come down a flat out regular season versus playoffs. So I think the Gasano game will advance. In the midday region, the number one seed, the Charles Smith Memorial against the Jets blowing the playoffs in Buffalo. The Charles Smith Memorial is probably pound for pound the favorite to win the championship. It's close. It's close, but they are a one seed. But the selection committee did make them the number one overall one seed in this tournament. As bad as that loss in Buffalo has been and what it's led to, the Jets have been horrible since then, uh, the Charles Smith Memorial to me should advance. How about this? Can the 12 seed Namath injury defeat the Pittsburgh game in the AFC Championship from 2010? You're going to call me nuts. I think it will. I, 
I'm actually believing the Namath 12 seed run. It's not going all the way. It'll get picked off. But I think they are going to be the Cinderella story of this tournament. I'm picking an upset that the Namath injury knocks off our horror of going to Pittsburgh. We've got a Met-on-Met battle. I referred to this earlier in the podcast. The 07 collapse has an 11 seed against Carlos Beltran striking out. Mets losing the NLCS. It's interesting. Touched on it earlier. Best team in baseball in 06. Game 7 at home. The ND catch versus the horror of a collapse. The thing about the collapse the following year that to me tightens up this race is it's not a game and it's not a minute and it's not a moment. It's a month of pain. The Met collapse that they pulled off in 2007 was epic and it was long. I do think Beltron looking will advance. And finally, the Campy for McDice trade against the Bruce Harper fumble, Jets lose in 1981. This is a 10-seed versus a 2-seed. The Camby trades the 10. The Harper fumble is the 2. I actually think that the Camby trade could win this thing. I do. Uh, Joe talks passionately about how he heard it from Mike and Chris, how they love the trade, which I think adds to his anger about it. I, I, I think the Camby trade could pull it off. I think in the midday region... We could see a 12 seed in the Namath injury in the preseason and a 10 seed in the Camby for McDice trade go dancing into the Sweet 16. Either way, we are through one round in the Beningo bracket of pain. If you'd like to play at home, of course, you could check at Evan Roberts WFN. I usually tweet out the bracket every once in a while. And you can go to the website, WFN.com slash pain. These matchups have been taking place at 5 p.m. during the week on the afternoon show with Joe Beningo and me, Evan Roberts. So, who will be the most painful thing in Beningo's fandom? We will find out soon enough. <laughs>